This is Ham College, episode 21 for September 30th, 2016. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. Time to hit their airwaves. Contest season is here. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your amateur license exam. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And we've got uh, an interesting show for you tonight, as, as always. always. That's right. You know, Tommy, you enjoyed this chart so much that I we've used that in thing. past Let's episodes. Let's go ahead and get rid of that. Yeah, well, I've got it on my shirt yeah, I, I noticed that when I came so, in. Uh, so you don't forget, in case it comes up again. Yeah, I'm just not going to look at you. Now, we've got, got some interesting topics tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about noise and interference this will be part two part of that. two part two and we're also going to talk about uh, schematics yeah that's pretty which cool is, stuff. Uh, yeah that'll, that'll be pretty cool that'll be um well naturally a little more interesting to the folks who want to know more about electronics mm-hmm. and uh we're, we'll be going over that we've even got some pictures and arrows yeah, and circles do. and stuff so uh, yeah so yep. it should be interesting should be well, you know, anytime we're doing a show, we got a chat room going on while we're doing it live. And where is that, Tommy? AmateurLogic.tv forward slash chat. You can uh, join us in there, and uh, there's a, a good crowd in there right now having a lot of fun. We glance down at it occasionally, so we don't catch everything they're saying. But uh, we have a special hall monitor in there that's yeah. keeping up with things. Yeah. We'll be talking a little later about the prizes here that we're going to give away. Oh, gee, it's only um, it's not only a few weeks away. Yeah, just a little over two weeks. Two weeks from uh, from the date that this episode's targeted yeah. for. So, not long away. You don't really have quite two weeks left to enter either. No. Nope. So you want to pay attention if you haven't entered. Uh, be sure to do that this weekend. Yep, the 11th anniversary sweepstakes. M- uh, Icom. MFJ Enterprises, Amateur Logic teamed up to give you uh, a great HF station there. Yep. Someone's really going to come out lucky on this deal right here. And it could be you. So go register if you haven't already. Who, well, me? Not you. Yeah. No, you're not eligible. I know. Typical. It, yep. It's a bummer, but. Yeah. It's you know, okay. That's okay. Such, somebody's such gonna, is life. Somebody's going to get a great setup here. Somewhere great is. power supply, radio, antenna. So, what did we talk about last month? Uh, just a bunch of noise. And interference. And interference. Yep. And what are we going to talk about this month? Well, we enjoyed it so much. Let's do it again. Okay. More noise. Part, yeah, part two. And interference. And interference. Okay. But it's a it's an important topic. It is, and yeah. it, it's something you need to be able to deal with. Every ham's going to have to deal with it in some form or fashion, I think, mm-hmm. at, at some point. Well, let's get on into the questions. 
What would cause a broadcast AM or FM radio to receive an amateur radio transmission unintentionally? And and you've got four choices. You know, it's funny you ask that because I was just pondering that earlier today. I could tell you had it on your mind. <laughs> a, the receiver is unable to reject strong signals outside the AM or FM band. Or B, the microphone gain of the transmitter is turned up too high. C, the audio amplifier of the transmitter is overloaded. Or D, the deviation of an FM transmitter is set too low. What okay. do you think? <clears throat> well, getting Jeopardy music. <laughs> what would cause a broadcast, a broadcast AM or FM radio to receive an amateur radio transmission unintentionally? Zero is unable to. Well, number A, number A. Number A? Yeah, number A seems like the likely culprit, but let's see the others. Uh, microphone gain of the transmitter is turned up too high. Yeah. The audio of the amplifier of the transmitter is overloaded. The deviation. I, I think I'm going to go with A on this one. The receiver is unable to reject the signals. So it's A. All right, way to go. Oh, way for me to go. Way for you to go. Well, you got any questions for me? Yeah. I just had one I was just kind of thinking about. Which of the following may be a cause of radio frequency interference? A, fundamental overload. B, harmonics. C, spurious emissions. Or D, all of these choices are correct. I'm going to have to go with D, Tommy, because a uh, any of those first three there seem to me like they, they could cause some kind of interference. Yep, I would agree with that. And uh, that's what... That's what they're saying in the chat room. So, so what is let's, what is fundamental overload? Just fundamental overload. The, the fundamental they're they're talking about the uh, fundamental frequency that you're uh, transmitting on. What about the harmonics. Harmonics would be um, like say if you're transmitting on uh, one megahertz, you're going to have a harmonic on two megahertz. You know, you'll have another one above that, so on and Four. so forth. Yep. Uh, spurious emissions. That not the means band. not the band, but but the emission. Okay. That that means that's garbage that's coming out of your transmitter that's not supposed to. But uh, if something's mistuned or there's a defective uh, circuit or something, you could have that. I, I'm well, just going to well, go. Well, then with I would D. agree with you that D would have to be it. Then you having all those. Give it up. Way to go. Okay. Next question here, and this one is one I've been saving up especially for you. It is? Yeah. Which of the following is a way to reduce or eliminate interference by an amateur transmitter to a nearby telephone? A, put a filter on the amateur transmitter. B, reduce the microphone gain. C, reduce the SWR on the transmitter transmission line. Or D, put a RF filter on the telephone. What do you think? Well, I don't think it's the filter on the re- on the transmitter, and uh, reducing the microphone gain is not going to be the answer. SWR is not going to have an effect on your telephone, but an RF filter on the telephone seems like the likely choice. Well, 
I'm uh, I'm going to agree with you, Tommy. Although I've done that before. Yeah. When I lived over there next to the radio station off Beasley Road over there, I had to do that. Although it didn't really help either because I was so close. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say, D, I don't, I don't want to muddy the water for anybody, but um, there you go. That's what everyone's saying over in the chat room, except the cheap old man. He tried to squeeze an E out of it. Did he? More questions or answers than you than you get for your money, but yeah. Um, well, if anybody can do it, he can. Yep. He's the one for the job. Yep. As long as it doesn't cost anything, <laughs> or not much. Not much. All right. Next question. What is a symptom of RF feedback in a transmitter or transceiver? A. Excessive SWR at the antenna connection. B. The transmitter will not stay on the desired frequency. C. Reports of garbled, distorted, or unintelligible transmissions. Or D. Frequent blowing of power supply fuses. What is the symptom of RF feedback in a transmitter or transceiver? Well, excessive SWR at the antenna connection. Nah. Uh, I don't think that would be caused by uh, feedback. Uh, the transmitter will not stay on the desired frequency. No, nah, that's that's not would not be a typical symptom for that either. But it sounds like a bad problem. It does sound like a bad problem. <laughs> yeah, it's one you wouldn't want. Uh, D. Frequent blowing of power supply fuses. Nah, I don't think that's going to be it. I'm going to say if uh, you're getting reports of garble distorted or unintelligible transmissions, there's a good chance you got RF feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, another term for that uh, would be RFI. Uh, everybody's agreeing with me over there in the, the chat room. So I'm going to go with that, Tommy. I'm going to say C. I concur. There you go. Yeah. You hear that on HF fair amount, too. Yeah, uh, you do. Yep. You do. It's actually almost a mechanical sound sometimes. Robotic sound to me. Yeah. It, it can have different different characteristics. Which of the following is a common reason to use shielded wire? A. To decrease the resistance of DC power connections. B, to increase the current carrying capacity of the wire. That's almost a tongue twister. C, to prevent coupling of unwanted signals to or from the wire. Or D, to couple the wire to other signals. What do you think? Well, I'm saying D's not going to be it, because I don't think you really want that to happen. No, that doesn't seem like you'd you'd go out of your way to find cable just for that purpose. So... A, to decrease the resistance of the DC power connections, no. Mm-hmm. B, to increase the current carrying capacity, the shield's not going to have anything to do with that. So the answer is going to be C, to prevent coupling of unwanted signals from the wire. And that that one, I actually already knew the answer to that anyways, but wanted to kind of reason through the other ones for, for the ones that didn't know. Okay, well, there you go. You're right. And when we're talking about shielded cable... We're talking about cable like this right here. 
Uh, this is a piece of uh, RG213 coax here. There is a uh, copper, braided copper shield around the outside of this one, although some may have foil, uh, some may have... Some may have both, a braid and foil. Right. Uh, then there's the dielectric, and then there's a center conductor right there. You've got this shield uh, encasing whatever signal you've got on this center conductor here to keep interference from getting to it, also to keep it from radiating out and interfering with other stuff. Right. And in a perfect world, that works great. Um, there, there's different types of shielded cable. This would be an unbalanced one here because it's just a, a single conductor inside the shield there. And for all your VHF and UHF, this is... Uh, just about the only thing you're going to find anymore mm -hmm. is shielded cable. So the term coupling of unwanted signals, some people may not understand what that means. So, Yeah, like me. Like you. Yeah, tell me what you were going to say. My, my, my determination of it is if this wire was a, a quarter wavelength of whatever frequency, mm -hmm. of a frequency that you may actually, it may actually like, like an antenna and pick that up so you can get some interference. Okay. Through, uh, through that. If it wasn't shielded. If it was not shielded. But okay. the shielding should help prevent some light from getting to the conductor in the center. Okay. That sounds good. It also, um, this, you know, the shielding will keep interference from penetrating and getting to that center mm -hmm. conductor. Because the shield is usually tied to ground. On one end. On, on uh, both ends. Both ends. On a unbalanced cable on a balanced cable that's right uh it, it would not be on line level on microphone level yeah it would be tight at both ends so we don't probably want to really go that yeah. far into okay, that this right time along. but on uh, on low signal levels too you want to use shielded cable that's why tommy when you said you use cat5 cable as an extender on the microphone cable in your truck Oh, I cringe throw because... Throw me under the bus. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> that Cat5 cable that you're using doesn't have a shield on it. Yeah, so which one does? Seven? Uh, you could probably find some seven with a shield. I have some Cat5 with a shield, but well, normally it doesn't. Well, a microphone extender. Well, I'm out of it. Just happened to, to be out of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> that, was, that was convenient. Yeah. So anyway, shielded cable... Um, Good for a lot of things. Not everybody will use this for their antennas. Some folks will use ladder line, which is looks like the old TV uh, twin lead. But everybody uses it for the microphone extender. Everybody but you. Now, there's other people using just, just straight Cat5 for it, but, you know, if you got interference, you're going to need some kind of shielded cable. Yep. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's, um, let's take a break right now. Uh, go get a message from ICOM, come back, give away some swag, and then get into some more questions. All right. Attention all hams. Time to hit the airwaves. Contest season is here. Grab your ICOM equipment and make as many contacts as you can this season. Good luck and let the competition begin. The real fun starts here with the revolutionary IC7300. This innovative HF transceiver has a compact design and high performance. It's perfect for contesters on the go. 
RF Direct Sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Push performance to the pinnacle with the IC7600. Following in the footsteps of ICOM's flagship radio, the IC7600 features intuitive operation and the latest DSP technologies. Digital IF filter, dual DSP, 5.8-inch ultra-wide TFT display, and high-resolution real-time spectrum scope. Contesters, raise the bar with the IC7851. Hear what others cannot with this HF 50 MHz transceiver. Reciprocal mixing dynamic range, crystal clear local oscillator design, real-time spectrum scope, dual receivers, digital voice recorder, and more. Hit the airwaves this contest season and visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all of ICOM's great radios. And we want to thank ICOM for sponsoring Ham College. Couldn't do it without them. And we've got some swag here to give we away. We do. We've got the uh, ICOM cap and the ICOM Ham Crew t-shirt. And we're going to give that away. If, uh, if you'd like to win one of these, then all you got to do is send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. Just tell us who you are and that you want to be registered to win a T-shirt and a hat. Yeah. And you do not have to be a licensed amateur to, you do not. to win this. Mm-hmm. And we've got a winner, you know. Um, for the last few episodes, I keep forgetting to draw a winner until we actually get right here on set. But I drew one this afternoon. You did. You did yep. a nice job drawing, too. I didn't know you were an artist. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Russ, KB3OPE. Um, anyway, you're, uh, you're the winner. And what did he say there? He says, I'd like to receive an ICOM t-shirt and cap. I'll need to wear it after winning the ICOM radio contest through Amateur Logic. And you will be decked out, man. Yeah, imagine if you were sporting this radio. Yeah. Wearing, wearing these threads. Wearing these, it, it's like a trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get better. This radio is just going to work better. Yep. Yep. The T-shirt and the hat would probably work better, too. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, Russ. If you registered, then uh, you could you could possibly win that, too. Well, let's get back on into a, a few more questions here. We've got... Uh, Oh, not many, but a few more of the interference questions left, Tommy. Just to tease everybody. Okay. Okay. Which of the following actions should you take if a neighbor tells you that your station's transmissions are interfering with their radio or TV reception? A, make sure that your station is functioning properly and that it does not cause interference to your own radio or television when it's turned tuned to the same channel b immediately turn off your transmitter and contact the nearest fcc office c for assistance c tell them that your license gives you the right to transmit and nothing can be done to reduce the interference that's going to win a lot of friends there yeah that's what i was thinking or d install a harmonic doubler on the output of your transmitter and tune it until the interference is eliminated can you get a harmonic doubler kit I'm not sure. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't recall seeing a kit like that. Anyway, that is a lot of words in that question. It is rather wordy. There. So let's see. So you're asking me which of the following actions should be taken if a neighbor tells you that your station's transmissions are interfering with their radio or TV reception. That is exactly what I'm asking you. I thought that's what <laughs> what you said. Yeah. Okay, make sure that your station is functioning properly. That sounds like a good idea. And that it does not cause interference to your own radio or television when it is tuned to the same channel. You know... That just makes the most sense out of all of those it, it does. answers there because you want to make sure your gear is working right. And if you go to your own radio or TV and you got interference, there's a good chance, a good chance your neighbor else might. is going to have it too. Yep. Um, I would not immediately turn off my transmitter and contact the nearest FCC uh, office for assistance. They're not going to help you with something like that. Where is the nearest FCC office? It's New in Orleans? New Orleans for us. That's what I thought. Yep. Uh, and, of course, see... Sure they'll run right up here. Uh, tell them your, your license gives you the right to transmit and nothing can be done to reduce interference. You know, that, that yeah, can't be the right answer. Yeah, go ahead and just draw the chalk line. Yep, there you go. Yep. R.D., Install a harmonic doubler on the outfit of your transmitter and tune it until the interference is eliminated. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go with a... That's all it. All right, you nailed it. But I, I just got an idea for a product. We can have uh, Amateur Logic harmonic doubler kits. We can start selling on the website. We could. You know, I'm looking around like I'm trying to find Probably. something. You got a harmonic doubler kit around here? No, I was looking for a book that I've got. Uh, it's up there. It's a Gordon West Technician Exam License Manual. You oh, know, yeah. the book that we like so much that yeah. um, that we uh, usually suggest. Gordo has a good answer for this, but it, it must be E because it's not listed here. He says, when the neighbor comes and knocks on your door, and before they say that you're interfering with them, you say, are you getting that same interference I am? <laughs> <laughs> yep, there you yep. go. Yep. The only trouble is, you don't know that that's what the neighbor's going to say when they come to the door. So, uh, yeah. And and that really is not going to work either. Yeah, that's pretty funny, though. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, I've got a one for you, Tommy. How can overload of a non-amateur radio or TV receiver by an amateur signal be reduced or eliminated? A. Block the amateur signal with a filter at the antenna input of the affected receiver. B. Block the interfering signal with a filter on the amateur transmitter. C. Switch the transmitter from FM to single sideband. <laughs> or D. Switch the transmitter to a narrow band mode. Hmm. How can overload of a non-amateur radio or TV receiver by an amateur signal be reduced? Or eliminated. Or, elim or eliminated. Switch the transmitter to a narrow band mode. So, uh, that's, oh, that might not really be an option. 
Switch the transmitter. No, that's not an option either. That's just changing the entire mode. Yep. Block the interference signal with a filter on the amateur transmitter. Now, let's go with A. Block the amateur signal with a filter at the antenna input of the affected receiver. That seems like the more logical choice. Yep, I think you're right. Uh, most everyone is saying A over here in the chat room, although there's a, there's a couple of Bs in there. Block the interference signal with a filter. I could see where where that would that could seem like the right answer too. Yep. But I think it's I think it's A. Oh, yeah. Okay, it was A. Block the amateur signal with a filter at the antenna input of the affected receiver. Yeah, that's one that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Although they do make filters that go in the um, antenna of the amateur station mm -hmm. to help prevent TVI or TV interference. So. Um, yeah, I've seen those. Long, it's you, been a long time. Yeah. Do people, do they still sell those? Yeah. Yeah, MFJ's got them, I know. <clears throat> okay, I you got them. I figured they have everything. Yep. You got one for me? Yeah, I do. I just so happen to have this one right here. Which of the following may be useful in correcting a radio frequency interference problem? A, snap-on ferrite chokes. B, low-pass and high-pass filters. C, band-reject and band-pass filters. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Hmm. Well, let's see. Snap-on ferrite chokes. I assume they're talking about these things right here. They yeah. have ferrite in them, and you can snap them on uh, your transmission line or various wires. I have many of them snapped all over the place. I do, too. Um, yeah, I would say that that could help introduce some... Uh, or Introduce, no, not introduce. Reduce or Reduce, filter? there you go. Or eliminate. Or eliminate some uh, radio frequency interference problems. But also uh, high-pass and low-pass filters, answer B there. That could help, um, you know, reduce certain types of RFI, mm -hmm. as well as band reject and, uh, and band pass filters. So I'm going to say D. All of these choices are correct. That's, you with me? Yeah, I think so. All those sound like logical answers. Okay. Well, let's see. And it is. And that's just about what everyone was saying over there. The only the one I've room. ever actually used in practice is A. And they're very effective, for at least for the interferences that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Depends on the, the cause of the interference mm -hmm. and, and what's being interfered with. Well... They're not good on alternator noise. No, they're really not, are they? Nope. That's the one thing that uh, I haven't had much luck with. What should you do if something in a neighbor's home is causing harmful interference to your amateur station? A, work with your neighbor to identify the offending device. B, politely inform your neighbor about the rules that prohibit the use of devices which cause interference. C, check your station and make sure it meets the standards of good amateur practices? Or D, all of these choices are correct. So, work with your neighbor to identify the offending device. That sounds like a, a, sounds a decent thing to do. Yeah. Politely inform your neighbor about the rules that prohibit the use of devices. 
Uh, yeah, I would probably do that too if it came down to it. Maybe like the last thing. Uh, it, well, if I knew what they were using, it cause it sure. So that seems like a possible solution too. Check your station and make sure it meets the standards of good amateur practice. That's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with D. All of these choices are correct. And uh, I'm going to agree with you, although a lot of they're, they're kind of split on this one in uh-oh, the chat room there, Tom. Now you're making me second guess my answer. Well, let's see. E. You're right. I did have it right. You're right, but that was. The B uh, one is the one. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to be polite, but I mean. Your uh, stuff's messing up my radio, man. Yeah. Cut it off. I've got a license and. And not scared to use yeah. it. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you these know, are right. These, that's the right answer. Yeah. Be be friendly about it, and you're likely to, to come to a solution much easier oh, yeah. and quicker than... Absolutely. Than, that, that, uh, that's true for pretty much anything. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Next question. What is a Part 15 device? A, an unlicensed device that may emit low-powered radio signals on frequencies used by a licensed service. B, a type of amateur radio that can legally be used in the citizen's band. C, a device for long-distance communications using special codes sanctioned by the International Amateur Radio Union. Or D, a type of test set used to determine whether a transmitter is in compliance with FCC regulation 91.15. Um, they're saying A in the chat room. Let's, let's see. Because this one, I'll be honest, I didn't really look at this one that close when I were typing these in. I don't think it's a type of test set, though, a Part 15 device. No, I'm, I'm thinking Part 15, that's an FCC, uh, part of the FCC rules. Well, I don't think it's a device for long-distance communications either. No, I don't, I don't think that's it. And since I'm thinking it's a part of an FCC rule, it doesn't have anything to do with the International Amateur Radio Union either. And B doesn't it make sense either? It's a type of amateur radio that can be legally used in the citizens' band. No, there are no amateur radios that can legally be used in the uh, CB radio bands. So that only leaves us with an A, Tommy, an unlicensed device that may emit low-powered radio signals on frequencies used by a licensed service. So yeah, that's um. That's, I think that's what I think. That's what most everybody's saying over in the chat room. So, the thing that comes to my mind is those are those little. Uh, I don't think they're too popular anymore, but they used to be those little FM uh, transmitters you can plug mm-hmm. up to your iPod yep. or whatever, and Modulator. you can listen to it on the on your car radio. Yep, that that, that would have to be a Part Fifteen device. Uh, you very well could be right on that. So. But I don't know of any that use the hand bands, but uh, um, there, there may be some. I just don't know. Yeah, not not even the lower hand bands, I wouldn't, wouldn't think. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. 
It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org, powered by ICOM, for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. Men, nothing takes it off like Noxima medicated tea. Take it off. Take it all off. Nothing takes it off like Noxima medicated shade. This flat tire needs a man, but when there's no man around, when there's no man around, Goodyear should be. Why? Watch this. New Goodyear Double Eagle carries its own spare inside. Lifeguard safety spare. A tire in a tire. Keeps on going. Next time, give her a second chance. If your man 007, I will. If your man lives for excitement, give him 007. There's a 007 gift set for every assignment. This one packs the full line, including 007 aftershave, hairdressing, and cologne. That's 007 for the license to kill women. When you use 007, be kind. That was pretty good vibe for change. What was it? Blueberry time? Yeah, blueberry. 
First contest, kid? <laughs> Follow me. This is Alka-Seltzer. Gets rid of that stuffy feeling. When you've been on the circuit as long as I have, you'll know. See you around, kid. Next time you overeat, take what the guys who overeat for a living take. Alka-Seltzer. That was uh, a lot of fun looking at those old commercials. Yeah, those are neat. I remember some of them. Few, some of it. Yeah, I didn't some remember. of them I didn't remember. But. The car with the tire inside the tire. I didn't remember that. Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of. interesting. I didn't remember that particular one either. So uh, apparently, it didn't really work out because you don't see those tires yeah. around like that. So. Yeah, you know they they went to a, a tire that had kind of harder sides that would sort of stay up mm-hmm. too. And uh, I don't, that must not have really panned out that well either. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't recall uh, seeing them lately. Well, we're going to talk about schematic symbols tonight, an exciting topic. It is. Uh, si- exciting yet cryptic. Yeah, if you don't, yeah, if you've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. So you've pulled up a page here on Wikipedia. Let's take a look at that. There's a symbol for capacitors. Right there where it says capacitors. That's a good clue. <laughs> yeah. Let your uh, eyes stop right there. Inductors? Yeah, inductors. Uh, uh, I can't read the other sources. batteries. Yeah, power oh. sources. That's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, the ground symbols. There's three different types of ground symbols. Circuit return. Yep, circuit returns. Transistors. There's so many. Yeah, I don't really know of a good way to to know them other than just look, get them, find a reference and study them and just kind of yeah. Memorize You're not going to need to know a lot of them for your technician exam. You're just, only going to just need the basic ones, few basic ones. But this is a good resource here. Wikipedia's got a, a lot of different schematic symbols on there, the different types of transistors, diodes, uh, antennas. Look at those yeah. antennas there. Those are uh, Four different types. Yeah. Vacuum tubes. Vacuum we talked tubes. about those uh, several months yeah. back. Switches, relays, uh, LEDs, light bulbs. Smiley faces. <laughs> That's a circuit breaker, I think. Uh, transformers. Molded, molded case circuit breaker. Speakers, microphones. Uh, there's how you hook wires together. Or you jump over a wire. Yeah, so those are connected. Yeah. These are or not. Because it goes mm-hmm. around it. Which ones should people focus on for this uh, technician I'm, class? I'm going to Res- say resistors, capacitors, um, some switches. I think may seems like there's some switches in there. Yeah, I don't. We're not going over all of them this time around. We're only going to go over a few of them. But yeah, the basic ones, resistor uh, and and. I'm just going to go out on a limb here because I don't really know the right answer, but probably resistors, capacitors. Maybe you'd want to know a symbol for an inductor, mm-hmm. maybe a ground symbol, battery yeah. symbol, you know. Maybe a transistor, but uh, I'm not sure which all ones are, are yeah. in the technician exam, but let's take a look at a few of them here. But first, let's talk about what it even is. 
What is the name for standardized representations of components in an electrical wiring diagram? Hmm. A. Electrical depictions. B. A gray sketch. C. Schematic symbols. Or D. Component callouts. Hmm. Well, well seeing how we just <laughs> read, it, gave it, away, read it on huh? the Wikipedia page, yeah, I'm going to say it's probably not electrical depictions, although that that could be a plausible answer almost b gray sketch no i don't even know what that means and it's not component callouts it's going to be schematic symbols okay yeah that's kind of what everybody's saying over there but electrical yeah. depictions i could see where somebody could get that mixed up and might actually call yeah. that but uh, a wiring diagram or electrical wiring diagram that's that's a schematic mm -hmm. so Schematic symbols. I'm going to agree with you, Tommy. For, oh, first time for everything. There you go. There you yep. go. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we got a, another similar question here. Okay. What do the symbols on an electrical circuit schematic diagram represent? A. Electrical components. B. Logic states. C. Digital codes. Or D. Traffic nodes. Well, let's see. What do the symbols on electrical circuit schematic diagram represent? Well, I don't think they represent traffic nodes or digital codes or logic states. It's electrical components that those symbols are representing. Uh, let's see if I am right. And of course, you know, that, that was pretty easy. Yeah, because okay. actually I think we just said that right before on the we last question. We probably did, yeah. Which of the following is accurately represented in electrical circuit schematic diagrams? A, wire links. B, physical appearance of components. C, the way components are interconnected. D, all of these choices are correct. Well, I don't think it's D because I don't think, I've never seen anything to do with wire links on a schematic. Physical appearance of components, that's not true either, because they, most of them don't look anything like the real component. Uh, it's going to be C, the way components are interconnected. And we actually saw that when we were on the webpage a few minutes ago. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that, that makes good sense, because it's, it's an electrical circuit you're looking at, so... Naturally, you want to know the way that the components are interconnected. Yeah, it's not really a... a how-to. Well, it kind of is, but it doesn't tell you how long to cut the wires and where right, to place yeah. the things. It just ensures that everything's connected in the right, yeah. in the right place at the right and ins and outs. Some of the the schematic symbols may look similar to an item. I mean, you might look at it and be able to guess what that is, like maybe the diagram for a speaker. You might, you know, be able to guess, hey, that's a speaker, just by seeing it. But yeah, but it doesn't no. really look like a speaker. No, but it doesn't look unlike it. Depends on how you're looking yeah. at it. Yeah. So the way components are interconnected. I'll give you that one. All right. All Here right. comes right. one with a picture to it. What is component three in figure T3? A, connector. <laughs> B, a meter. C, variable capacitor. Or D, variable inductor. 
Well, let's see. Figure T3. That just happens to be the one we're looking at right here. So let's Well, that was convenient. Yep. They're wanting to know what is component 3. And that's going to be that component with the 3 right beside it right there. And I just happen to know that is an inductor. That looks like a coil, which an inductor is a coil. And there's that little arrow, a little tap on it there, and that indicates that it's variable, that we can change the amount of inductance there. So I'm going to say that's an, a variable inductor because it's not a capacitor, it's not a meter, and it's not a connector. Makes sense to you? Mm-hmm. Well, let's find out. There you go. It's a variable inductor. Yeah. So that's actually similar to the... Uh the coil on my big ear antenna you've seen on the show where you tap it different places to change yeah the frequency uh that's exactly it looks just like that so there's one that actually does look very similar to the see i was telling you and you, you just wouldn't believe me wasn't paying yeah i was just trying to <laughs> deny it all right I, I got one more here for you then all right what is component four in figure t3 a an antenna B, a transmitter. C, a dummy load. Or D, ground. That's going to be an antenna, A. So you're saying it's A. I'm saying it's A. It's all that one in a million talk. Yep, <laughs> it's A, antenna. Uh, that's the only thing it can be. Yeah. It would be kind of simple to be a transmitter all in that one little. Yep, ground, mm-hmm. ground is at the bottom down there with the three the three little forks pointing down to the side to an angle that's it okay i'm going to agree with you and everyone in the chat room does it's an antenna nailed it nailed it well keep them coming uh, that's all we got for this week no way yeah so soon so soon that was the last question here i guess we got time to put on some more windows updates now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we could. Yeah. Let's uh, let's take a break. Come back. Mention a couple of pertinent things. On the 15th of each month, ICOM is proud to sponsor AmateurLogic.tv with hosts George Thomas, Tommy Martin, and Peter Barrett. This looks a little crude, but roughly here's what I have. The bottom trace here is ground. While the elements will jiggle some, they're actually not too bad. It's light. After putting it together, I decided to test everything, so I ran in 12 volts, and I'm measuring the output here. No, it's not too windy right now, Jim. It was yesterday. Actually turn that into a scanner capable of tuning across a wide range of frequencies. Whoa, okay. What is this called? We're in the antenna switching matrix. Any one of our six broadcast transmitters could be connected to any of the 22 antennas via the switching matrix. Down in Melbourne, apparently they they tune up their radios different than we do, Tommy. Oh, yeah? Now, the FM 900 is tough. Seriously tough. We finally arrived. Man, we're in Ham Nirvana. Again. Boy, what, what a great time. And... And as happened last year, we still haven't got all the way through the flea market yet. No, we've hit about a fourth of it, but we're going to have to strike a trot. Well, the moment of truth has arrived. I've attached a BNC connector to the antenna terminals here. I've got plus 12 volt in ground uh, power coming in here. 
It's going to my uh, power supply. Uh, that I'm supplying it with 13.8 volts. And I personally am so thrilled that George got the special award. Well-deserved, my friend. That's really cool. What about the Super Bowl, Emil? Did you go to the Super Bowl, or were you at home uh, operating that night? Tuning my amplifier, and I lost power in the shack, and uh, went outside. The house lost power. (laughs) The whole neighborhood went out for about 30 minutes. I I don't know what happened. That explains a lot. All right, Tommy, sing the theme song here. Still haven't seen that theme song. Gets you every time, David. Every time. Never see it coming. <laughs> well, we just want to mention the 11th anniversary of Amateur Logic coming up next month. Yep. Got a great prize package here to give away. We talked about it a few minutes earlier. Let's take a look at that. 11th anniversary. We got a great prize for that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, no kidding. It's the ICOM IC7300, uh, great HF 6-meter rig from our friends at ICOM, uh, software-defined radio. We use these. We actually use this exact one at Field Day this year. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I actually, there's another one at my house for the time being. I used it today. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty nice radio. I love it. Yeah. So this is probably the best prize we've given away yet, I think. We've given away some really nice ones, but we I think have, this is my favorite. I think this is the best one that, that we've given away yet. Usually uh, for anniversary, uh, the last few years, ICOM and MFJ have been um, good enough to give us some prizes to give away to some of the viewers. Yep. If you'd like to win this, uh, what you're going to get is the radio. So in addition to the radio, you get the uh, MFJ power supply, compact switching power supply. Which I really like the size of that thing. That's a 30 amp? Yep. 30 amp, and uh, it's got the meters on it. It's very nice. Uh, you get MFJ, uh, off-center fed dipole, 40 meters down through 6 meters, I believe. I think, I'm not sure if it's 6 or 10, but uh multi-band antenna. Well, mine tunes on 6, so, well, and I've got yeah. the same antenna up. Well, the house. yeah, I do too, and mine will tune on six as well. Yeah, uh, we've also got a hundred foot of RG8X coax, courtesy of MFJ. Comes with the connectors already installed, but we've got some of the private stock here, the mother load. Yeah, but we're saving the best for last. Yep, the uh, gold PL259s from the private nose ring collection. <laughs> unused. unused, unused. You're welcome. Yep, sanitized <laughs> for your protection. Uh, Boy, a great prize package there. Every one of those items, particularly the radio and the power supply. I, I uh, you know, I use one of those exact power supplies myself mm-hmm. now, and I uh, really like it. But the rig, man, in that price range, that's got to be the hottest thing going right now. Oh, yeah, now. No, no kidding. People, I hear people on the air talking about that radio still a lot. Yeah. yeah. Very popular rig. So if you want to win that, uh, well, you got to be qualified. Yeah, why don't you tell us how? I will tell you how. Number one, you must be a licensed U.S. or Canadian amateur radio operator with a U.S. or Canadian shipping address. Only one entry per contestant. Sending more than one entry will get you disqualified. So if you've already registered, don't register again. Don't do it again. 
The winner will be responsible for any taxes that may be incurred. Uh, the winner agrees to let us use uh, his or her call sign and name and promotional and news items related to the contest. And that's really just saying, hey, uh, Tommy N5ZNO won the, the prize. Yeah. Yeah, like like that's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> but your name, your name or email address goes nowhere else. We don't yeah. give it to anyone whatsoever. And contestants must not be an employee or affiliate of Amateur Logic, ICOM, or MFJ Enterprises. Tell them how to enter, Tommy. Okay, to enter, put the glasses on. Send an email to contest twenty sixteen at amateurlogic.tv with your call sign in the subject line. Include your name, call sign, class of license, and address in the email message. Submissions must be made between Thursday, August the 25th, and Thursday, October the 11th. So that's coming up pretty quick. That is. Uh, why don't I tell them how we're going to select the winner? Tell them that, too. Okay. The contest winner will be selected by a random number from the entries received. The winner will be announced on the October 15th episode of AmateurLogic.tv. If it's determined the winning entry does not meet the qualification requirements, another winner will be chosen by the same method. Contest rules and information will be posted at www.amateurlogic.tv forward slash contest. And always void where prohibited. I have nowhere, uh, no idea where that may be, but if it's prohibited there, then void it. How about that? There you go. <laughs> I think that eloquently sums it up. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you want to win that, amateurlogic.tv slash contest. Go there and get all the details. Yeah. Thanks for being here, everyone. And uh, join us around the 15th of October when we're going to give this great radio away. Oh, yeah. The whole kit. The whole kit. The yeah. whole kit and caboodle. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, signed up to win the, the shirt and the hat, be sure to do that. Yep. And if you haven't signed up to win the radio and your licensed ham and meet the qualifications, be sure and do that too. Yep. No reason. But only to. once. Only once. Only once. You don't want to get disqualified. So, uh, yeah, somebody's gonna gonna come out good on that deal. Yep. All right. Seven three. Yeah. Seven three. Everybody. See you next, See you time. next time. You know, Tom, we, you know, we've—I've got to say—we've—we uh, haven't used the Professor George and Dean Martin, Professor Thomas and Dean Martin bit in a while. No, I don't think that—I don't think that would do it. Well, let's see. Wow, who turned that didn't really work out, you did got it? It's kind of dark in here. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I don't even know how I did that. It's that Windows update. That should not be possible, but... Uh, what about that? That's pretty cool. You like cool. that better? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Next question.
So you've got this shield that's shielding whatever is going on this semiconductor or center conductor. I didn't get that right at all, did I? <laughs> well, I've got to load up a few more slides here, so... We got intermission? If you will do... Uh, I don't. I don't write at this point, but if you'll do one of the uh, vaudeville routines there. Okay. And, uh, let me see if I can find my sheet music. I must have left it at home. You must have. Oh, well. I would get it, but I don't have any internet at the uh, at the house, so I can't log in and get it. So, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. Maybe a little soft shoe. Well, okay. I got flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs>